good afternoon. Thank you all for finding time and visiting today's webinar. My name is Oluwase Yolariwadu, and I am a senior human resources associate at Create Careers. Our company is one of the leading provider of hotel amenities, outsourcing services alongside hotel revamps and training services. Thank you once again for sparing time out of none to attend this event. It's great that we can all meet today to explore the topic professional etiquette for talents. I will try to make it as clear and understandable as possible for you. However, if anything requires additional clarification, please let me know in the comment section. We are also happy to share additional materials if anyone is interested. So let's get started. These are the points to be discussed today. One, learning objective, introduction to business etiquette. What is a business etiquette? How to make an impression, the three C's of impression, the rules of dressing, how to make good introductions, the protocol of shaking hands, manners in the online world, email etiquette, manners in the online world, telephone etiquette, then questions and answers. And by the end of today's presentation, you should be able to understand what business etiquette entails, recognize the key aspects of business etiquette, know how to make good introductions, understand what female etiquette, what email etiquette entails, and understand what telephone etiquette entails. Introduction to business etiquette. As you move deeper into the, old, the role of owner-manager, you realize that the relationships you maintain with your managers and staff can possibly or negatively impact your success. Spending time to cultivate relationships with your employees can give you something to fall back on when business conditions are difficult. Practicing proper business etiquette in the workplace also provides a good example for employees to follow and encourages them to act professionally when they are with customers which is edible for business. No matter where you go, people expect you to behave in a certain way in society. There could be slight variations of customs and traditions that you have to respect. However, majority of these expect expectations will be common. For example, smiling is a universally recognized signal of an amiable person. On the other hand, frowning and being rude while interacting is considered impolite. In business etiquette, we will discuss what business, what business etiquettes, the business corporate world expects from their, from their employees and what you should do to meet their expectations. It helps in building a good positive network of business people though. Business etiquette is really about the simple things like how quickly we respond to a customer or the customer's query on the phone or by email, how we respect other people's time by being punctual for a meeting and how we follow, follow up on promises made. And we will also discuss business etiquette with respect to the established conventions of business dealings and the various culture, cultural expectations. You know, in some parts of the world, starting the meeting with a straightforward discussion on business considered rude. And there are certain places where, you know, discussing business while dining is considered inappropriate. Thanks to globalization, we cannot afford to be ignorant of the different cultures we live with. So what is business etiquette? 
business etiquette is a set of rules that govern the way people interact with one another in business with customers, suppliers, with inside or outside bodies. It is all about conveying the right image and behaving in an appropriate way. Business etiquette is a set of you know, manners that, accept, that is accepted or required in a profession. Often upheld by custom, it is enforced by the members of an organization. Those who violate business etiquette are considered offensive. The penalty for such behavior frequently lies in the disapproval of other organization members. So business etiquette is important because it creates a professional, mutually respectful atmosphere and improves communication, which helps an, offen an, an office serve as a productive place. People feel better after their jobs when they feel respected, and that translates um, into better customer relationship as well. For two people with a co comparable level of education and skill, what separates them when it comes to um, success is their ability to connect with others, engage in conversation, and communicate their true potential to decision makers. In other words, what separates these two people and determines their success is their level of social skill in business. So we have um, the importance of business etiquette. So while growing up, we all were probably taught, you know, specific rules of etiquette, such as always chew when, when with your mouth closed and don't speak when someone else is talking, although those rules are essential in everyday life. But additional rules apply when you're conducting business. Essentially, business etiquette enables a company to function smoothly in its interactions with other businesses, its own employees and the general public. Meanwhile, if you add international relations into the mix, knowing the importance of business etiquette becomes all that much more critical. So we have one, enhances impression. You know, you only have a few seconds to make a good first impression. Whether you're meeting a prospective client or networking with other players within your industry, how you present yourself affects not only your reputation, but also your company's image. And the mastery of business etiquette can help even small businesses hold their own against their larger and more high profile competitors. Making a good first impression is important. You know, the way you dress, for instance, impact the way you're per perceived by others. Other people's impression of you should be positive so that they continue doing business with you. And to accomplish this, start with your attire. Ask yourself if you look professional or if your outfit needs some fine tuning. Looking sloppy, messy, and dirty will put off your coworkers and turn away potential clients. Two, a little etiquette know-how can open up several professional doors. Potential clients and associates will often judge you as much on your skill, soft skills, as they will your business savvy. Someone skilled in communication and comfortable in a wide range of professional situations will inspire trust more easily than someone who, who isn't. If you're always cautious, know how to handle yourself both in high stakes meetings and um, at business launches. You will impress people with your versatility and, and people's skills. So number three, we have um, promotes business growth. If a client is looking for a public relations professional to represent his company, for example, he's going to favor someone who can make a positive impression on his behalf. 
business etiquette is important for our business growth because all things being equal, people will do business with people that they like. Business is personal. I once saw a post with the title, Good Branding Requires Good Business Etiquette. So for the fourth one, which is endorses your personal brand. Your personal brand is really important when it comes to career and life success. It's how people think of you. And trust me on this, if you don't go out of your way to present and create the image you want, other people will create it for you. And you may not like what you, what you get saddled with by other people. And that's why you need to spend time not only defining your personal brand, but promoting it. Like each of us has a personal brand. Even if we don't think about it often, our personal brand is how we are perceived in the eyes of our colleagues and customers. I think about it as how people that you know describe you when you're not in the room. In simple terms, it is, you know, word of mouth. When word of mouth is positive, it is the best sales tool we have as most people make decisions based on personal recommendations. When it is negative, it can be the biggest hindrance to our business growth. If we don't know what others are saying about us and our business is a big risk to growing our, uh, I don't know, about us and our business, it's a big risk to growing our businesses. And the fifth one promotes, it promotes teamwork and collective achievements. Teamwork does, does not happen on its own. It needs to be catalyzed, becoming part of a workplace culture and integral to people processes and culture. Once that happens, workplaces become more fun, productive, and creative. Staff members are strongly encouraged to embody the values, views, and motivations of the collective. You know, having a business etiquette will enable any staff to suppress his or her own cultural beliefs while in the company's premises. So how to make an impression. So often the decision of whom to hire, promote, or work with boils down to, you know, likability. In other words, the ability to make others comfortable around you is more often than not the reason for personal success. The way we look and act generates subconscious impressions and comparisons with stereotypes. In the minds of observers, often generate powerful emotions and judgments impressions even when um untrue representations are difficult to dislodge and change a good first impression can be a powerful impetus for your career just as a negative impression can be an impossible obstacle to overcome in business i mean social situations first impressions are crucial giving a bad first impression can lose you the confidence of prospective employers customers and clients and even cost you business. The first impressions you give a customer or client will set the tone for your future business relationships and shows that you're professional and prepared. However, it is not difficult to give a good first impression every time by following a few simple guidelines. And um, these guidelines include greetings. Always do five things when meeting someone. Look them in the eye like stare them stare at them give a firm handshake these pairing should not be so absurd anyways <laughs> give a firm handshake greet them by name say your own name slowly and clearly for instance i am oluwa loshei fumi olari waju or oluwa shei olari waju so 
while doing this, you have to smile. So just to give them the impression that you're being, you know, friendly as much as you're trying to pronounce your name that seems kind of difficult for the other person to understand. This will show the other person that you're positive and confident. Show the other person that the meeting is important to you by thanking them for meeting with you and by always having a positive attitude. So we have the second one, which is dressing. Dressing appropriately is very important in first impressions. Appropriate dressing shows that you respect your business and your customers. If you look successful and confident, then others will have more confidence in you as well. So showing up to a meeting poorly groomed shows the other person that you do not care enough about the meeting to bother making an effort. When you are dressed properly, there's also nothing to distract others from your message because some industries have a more casual dress code than others. You should try to dress similarly to what others in your industry wear. And three, we have conversation, conversation etiquette. Know when to talk and when not to. You know, there are some people that every, everyone you meet or everyone you come across, you just, you know, start to talk and you don't even give them the avenue to listen and the avenue to talk. So you just um, literally turn them into the listener while you happen to be the talker. So know when to talk and when not to. Study the environment and the person you're in conversation with. Do more of the listening than the talking. And the fourth one, we have follow the golden rule. If you're going to an office for maybe a business meeting, ensure you're friendly to everyone you know you come across at, the, at that office, not only your client. Say hello to the front desk staff. You know, sometimes you don't even know that this front desk staff could be the one, um, you know, to help you get that um, job or that business you're looking at. So say hello to the front desk staff. And then maybe you meet someone, someone in the elevator, say hello to them. Even the ones who makes coffee, that's where the entire officials in the, in the premises will have a good first impression of you. This is also applicable to prospective employee. Also a customer service or a sales executive who is making a sales call, make sure to establish a good rapport with the decision makers or, or the decision makers executive assistant. A number, of, a number of employers ask their PAs' opinions and feedback on prospective staff. Oh, and yeah, clients too. So sometimes you see some, you see some officials calling their, um, their executive assistant, asking them questions, wanting to know about somebody that they probably never even you know, knew, never even understood. And trust me, they get to understand people pretty easily. That's why they are working there as maybe a, a, a personal assistant to somebody. It's one of the things they, you know, they, they have to learn, being proactive and, you know, getting to understand people's emotion and all that. And the last one is body language. Someone I know would always ask if I know or understand the power of body language. Body language is one of the first things a person will notice upon meeting you. If your body stance is slouched and closed, it literally sends a signal to the other person that you're not interested in him or his ideas. Then standing straight and naturally with your shoulders back, arms at your side and head up indicates that you're interested and enthusiastic and ready to do business. When listening to someone, face the other person with your shoulders squared to, their, to theirs. Keep your hands at, at your side and maintain eye contact. Look them in the eye. 
this demonstrates you are focusing entirely on the other person like you're attentive to whatever whatever it is the person is saying and you get to understand them more when you stare like look them in the eye and you're able to understand whatever it is they're saying it's that for me it makes sense and you're able to you know close your deal to very quickly than you know you being sluggish and you know looking unkept so we have the three C's of a good impression. You've probably heard this saying before, you don't get a second chance to make a first impression. In today's fast paced world, you have to maximize the time and opportunities to meet with people that you can get. If you manage to secure a conference with a client or a potential partner, for example, ensure you don't leave anything to chance for the meeting. And that goes with the impression that you want to leave behind. If you want to make a good impression, you know that you need to project the three C's, which are confidence, competence, and credibility. So for confidence, it has to do with having a straight but relaxed posture. Hold your head high and steady. Don't slouch or slump. It also has to do with moving in a natural, unaffected manner and maintaining eye contact with the people you're talking to. While competence is exhibiting knowledge of your craft, know your way around the agenda. Be prepared for the meeting, bring supportive materials to emphasize your points, ask questions in a clear and professional manner, avoiding the use of slang or technical jargon and um, asking relevant questions. And lastly, credibility. It's all about early arrival, being properly groomed while strictly adhering to company's dress codes and keeping true to you know, your word. Nothing to wear. Well, dress according to your corporate culture. A company's culture will be reflected in its dress code, business hours, office setup, employee benefits, turnover, hiring decisions, treatment of clients, client satisfaction, and, you know, many more or every other aspect of operations. Go through your employee's handbook for details on your company's dress code or culture. That way you understand what it takes to dress in line with the company's culture. If teamwork and unity are strong values in the organization, reducing status differences by standardizing the dress code among all employees will reinforce these organizational values. For instance, all employees at you know, Toyota Corporation, they wear polo shirts and khakis as a way of way of expressing a unified team-oriented culture. Actually, I read about that. Also, a casual dress code can help communicate a fun and friendly organizational culture. So this may result in employees feeling empowered to deliver exceptional customer service, which in turn strengthens the company's fundamental value of providing service excellence. So this is, it's this simple, but you know, we, if we don't get to understand it, how do we know that this is how it works? So for the second one, we have dressed like the people you're doing business with. The team that dresses alike works together, better apparently. And if you really want to get, out, get on in your career, you, sh you could do far worse than emulate your manager's you know, dress sense. Okay, so... On business attire, business attire is the clothing you wear in professional settings. You might decide how to dress depending on the 
type of office you work in for an interview or for a meeting. There are varying levels of business attire ranging from casual to business formal. You know, based on the setting, you can decide which kind of business attire is appropriate. Let's take a closer look at the different types of business or business attire, uh, attire, sorry. Examples of clothing types and the situation they are appropriate for. So types of business attire, here is an outline of the most common types of business attire, which is um, one of them is business casual. It, it sounds like a breeze. After all, with this dress code, you won't have to worry about what to wear to work, right? Not quite. In fact, this dress code guideline is a frequent source of confusion for workers. It's honestly not their fault. There really isn't a clear standardized definition. Business casual may mean different things in different companies, cities, and industries. And on top of that, understanding that subtle differences between business and business casual isn't easy. Business casual is what many people would typically wear to work at the office. And for him, wear a pair of nice khakis paired with a polo shirt or other collared shirt. Dress, shoes, or loafers are appropriate. And note, avoid the wrinkles iron your shirt and pants. Pattern collared shirts are a nice option for a less dressy feel than their solid counterparts. And for her, dress pants or khakis with a fashionable top is appropriate. A casual skirt is also an option. Feel free to dress up your outfit with heels, jewelry, or accessories if desired. But tip, wear your hair in your everyday style and avoid overdoing it with makeup or perfume. Don't go about, you know, looking like, I don't know. Then business casual is an ambiguously defined Western dress code that is generally considered casual wear, but with smart components of a proper lounge suit from traditional informal wear adopted for white-collar workplaces. So for formal business attire, it refers to a crisp dress code, literally pressed, neat, and never wrinkled. The appearance is mostly for those who work in strict office environments, as well as formal settings like special dinners, award ceremonies, and other important events. So a business formal dress code enhances the professional image of your workplace, environment, and your personal brand. So clothing should be crisp, neat, and um, pressed, never wrinkled, to project a professional business formal image. So turn dirty and unmatched clothing is absolutely unacceptable. And then we have the casual attire. That's the last one on this slide. Casual is basically a non-dress code and you can wear comfortable and that you can wear comfortable clothing. So for him, t-shirt, jeans, and sneakers are appropriate. You may also opt to step it, it to step it up in a, a notch with khakis, car, cargoes, and a polo shirt fits just fine. Please note, avoid inflammatory or otherwise offensive graphic tees. Your jeans, you can opt for a comfortable. Your footwear can range safely from sneakers to heels to boots, tip for um, outdoor events. Sneakers are better as heels can sink into soft ground.
Okay, so um, here are tips to keep in mind when getting dressed for corporate events. Um, first, be simple and classy. You look elegant with your jacket on, long sleeve shirt gives more credibility. Always bear in mind that you're the face of your company and that's why you have to look your best always. Dress neatly too, don't be rough, avoid dressing in a provocative manner, just so you don't end up sending a wrong signal to clients, colleagues and associates. Even if you're going clubbing at the close of work, you don't have to go to work dressed like a club maniac. Go to work with a chance of with a change of clothes, so you you know you can change at the close of work. And finally, on key tips to remember: do not wear trendy, flashy clothing. Wear something really proper for business or corporate event. So, how to make good introductions? Anytime we meet a person for the first time or you reconnect with someone at a social function or business event, an appropriate greeting sets the tone for the exchange. The manner in which you say hello creates an opportunity for someone to form an immediate impression. Making introductions is particularly important in business settings. If you introduce colleagues with an oral confidence, you create the perception that you're prepared and in control. A warm introduction establishes rapport of respect and gets relationships off on the right foot. Do you present the right image? The elements involved in, include introducing yourself, how skilled are you at making introductions. A proper introduction sets the tone for how others will perceive you. It's all about first impressions, and we all know we only get one chance to make a positive first impression. So introducing colleagues... Have you ever been at a networking event or a conference with a colleague who runs into somebody or she knows and starts chatting away while you stand there feeling like the third wheel? It's awful to be left in limbo and it's rather rude of your colleague who didn't think to make the introduction. In such cases, you may just have to bite the bullet and introduce yourself, which is fine. For the exchange would have been, you know, but the exchange would have been better it would have been much smoother had your colleague made a quick introduction in the first instance. So what to do when being introduced? Always remember, remember the importance of positive first impressions when being introduced to someone. You know, look him or her in the eye, offer a firm handshake and say something pleasant like, I've heard such great things about you. It's a pleasure to meet you. It's great to finally meet you. If you're a man, when meeting a woman, wait to see if she extends her hand first. If you're a woman meeting another man or woman, offer your hand. Remember, this guide is for a Western business environment in different cultures. There will be different rules. If you can follow up with something to start a conversation, such as Adiola told me about your new project, how's it going? Being introduced invites someone into the conversation and makes him or her feel like part of the group right from the start. Making an introduction shows you respect your friend, your colleague, and um, refusing to make an introduction leaves someone feeling left out and it will be awkward, really awkward. So make eye contact, look at the person you have, you have been speaking to, then turn to the other person, you know, the one you're, you're about to introduce. Speak clearly and with confidence, confidence, Say something like, I'd like to introduce, may I introduce, I'd like you to meet, or in more formal business situations, may, may I present, get the other right. 
introduce the youngest person to the older, junior to senior, your company, your company employee to your guest, along with the name of the organization they represent, if, if that's relevant. Create a conversation starter. You might say something like, Chinyere, I'd like you to meet Ifeumi Adewumi, who is a business development executive at Scottville, Eloring Branch. Chinyere has been studying hospitality management and is looking to work with our brand. So now, even if you have to excuse yourself from the conversation, they have something to start conversation with. They, you know, they just don't have to, you know, stand there and be staring at one another in an awkward manner while you, you know, keep talking and um, interacting and all that. And lastly, handshake protocol. So master the introduction while coming across as natural and self-confident. Brush up on these five etiquette tips. Get off your seat or get out of your seat at a networking event, you shouldn't be sitting down in the first place. But failing to stand well when someone walks up, walks up to speak to you shows a lack of sophistication and common sense. They, they may not notice you didn't jump to your feet, but they will pause for a second and recognize that something seems off about the meeting, also known as a, a red flag. So stand up to, your, to show your respect for yourself and the other person. Make yourself easy to remember when you're, you enter the room. There will most likely be a name tag available, either reprinted or for you to fill out. Use it. Place it on your right side below your shoulder for an easy way to reinforce your name after an introduction. Your eyes naturally follow the line of sight of a handshake and glancing at someone's name tag is less you know, noticeable. When you know if you're wearing a, a what's it called a name tag on your chest, it's very obvious to you know read. So say your first and last name when you introduce yourself. Emphasize the difficult name to pronounce by speaking slow and deliberate, acknowledging that it's a mouthful with a smile, of course. Practice your handshake. You know, a handshake can be a relationship maker or deal breaker. If you give a light finger grab, you seem demure and timid. A bone crunching squeeze sends an anxious or bullying message. So a firm but not too fast grip communicates that you're composed and self-assured. Then you have to wait until you're an arm's length away and then extend your hand. Keep, skip the sales pitch. You're not invited to a party or a function to close a deal. So at a social event, you wouldn't hand out a, a business card unless asked, and even then, very discreetly. When you're attending a business function, a friendly conversation is favorable to a hard sell. As the conversation comes to a close, offer a business card and request a follow-up meeting in the near future. So keep moving. Avoid monopolizing other people's time and your personal stories. Ask thoughtful questions and listen for cues as to what they're interested in talking about. For example, you might say something like, you mentioned you just returned from Europe. Do you travel a great deal with your company? This gives that person an opportunity to talk about themselves and allows you to listen for further prompts for meaningful conversation. So after five to 10 minutes, close the conversation so that each of you may continue to mix and mingle. It's better to leave on a high note than, you know, you now be waiting until the conversation begins to lag. So 
And uh, meanwhile, don't um, shake hands over a table or desk. Wait for the other person to extend their hand first. Give a double-fisted shake to someone you're meeting for the first time. Stay seated because you're a woman. Keep between three to four feet or one to you know, 1.25 meters between you and the person you will be shaking hands with. Then don't forget to close and invade the other person's personal space. Stand with proper posture. If seated, etiquette requires you get up from your seats to shake hands. Offer your right hand by extending it towards the other, other person. You know, unless you're, you're, you have injury on the, on the right hand anyway. You can use your left hand. So lean slightly toward the other person and make eye contact. But even the injury has to be obvious. So it won't seem awkward when you're shaking with the left hand. And then when you lean slightly toward the other person and make your eye contact, you smile. It makes you look pleasant or it presents you as pleasant to the other person. So offer your left hand if the other person's hand appears injured. I mentioned something like this earlier. So grab the other person's hand, avoid grabbing the end of the other person's fingers, then pump two to three times with a slight bend in your elbow, raise and lower your hand two to three times, keep the movement precise and small. And don't swing in an exaggerated movement. Proper etiquette requires no more than three pumps. So for the handshake etiquette, you have, we have some mistakes to avoid. Don't offer your hand if the other person is not paying attention. Don't use too much or too little pressure. And for this last one, do not offer a hand that is sweaty. No, no, it's a no, no. So let's take for instance, in deep, if you're in deep conversation with a female GM of your company at a business event, and if male GM from another organization approaches you, considering the fact that they are both of the same level, whom do you think you should introduce first, the man or the woman, employee or guest, older or younger, tall or short? You know, there will definitely be some sort of discomfort the first few seconds of... Um, of course, you know, if it will definitely kill your morale or mess with your self-confidence. It may even reflect in your facial expression, your tone of voice, demeanor, and even your posture. The following are some, you know, easy guidelines to follow that will help you feel poised, classy, and professional when meeting people and introducing one another. So you introduce people in business based on rank, not gender or age. In business, the client guests or visitor outranks the, the boss or coworker and should be introduced first. And then always smile and maintain eye contact. Shake a woman and man's hand the same, straight up and down. Extend a good, firm, not painful handshake to exhibit respect, trust, and acceptance. Keep the forms of address equal to avoid differential treatment or the appearance of preferential treatment. Do not call a person by his or her first name when meeting or being introduced for the first time. Use their title and last name until invited to be, to be on a first name basis. Never use an honorific such as Miss, Mr. or Dr. to introduce yourself. Demonstrate professionalism and credibility by clearly stating your full name, helpful examples, 
always show respect, always introduce the man to the woman. Women like to be treated as equals. However, as much as women don't like these days to be known as the fairer sex, it's still polite and demonstrates a little difference or a difference that is always looked upon favorably. So what about age differences? Respect our elders by introducing younger people to those who are older. In business settings, you show respect to senior members of your team by introducing a person of lower rank, you know, especially if they are new to their role, to the person of a higher rank. So how to make good introduction? A self-introduction explains who you are, what you do, and what others need to know about you. You should provide a self-introduction anytime you speak someone, you, you meet someone new and don't have a third party to introduce you. Offer a self-introduction when you're, you know, beginning an interview, attending a hiring event, networking with a new connection, giving a presentation, meeting people, uh, a presentation and meeting people at a trade show. And then um, a self-introduction should include your name and occupation or desired occupation and key facts that will help you make an impression on the person you're speaking to. In a few sentences, cover the most important things that others need to know about you. That's all. So um, this chart on, uh, this is a chart on how to introduce a higher ranking official to a lower ranking official with examples. So when introducing a man and a woman, introduce the man to the woman. And when introducing a younger person and an older person of the same sex, introduce the younger person to the older person. For instance, you say, Mr. Mature, meet my friend, or please meet my friend today. He is my friend from university. And when introducing a person, and the relative, introduce the person to the relative. For instance, hi, uncle, I'd like you to meet my boyfriend, Tega. So when introducing one or more persons and a group of people, introduce the group to the individual. Example, Miss Shade, I'd like to introduce my team members, Aisha, Efe, and Mary. Oh, and yes, about the group introductions, say the names of everyone in the group slowly so that your guests will have a greater chance of remembering them. So like I said earlier, Miss Shade, I'd like you to, I'd like to introduce my team members, Aisha, Efe, and um, Mary. So that's where the person is able to grab or grasp the um, names very quickly and it sinks in. So um, the rule of thumbs, forgetting someone's name leaves us feeling awkward. You know, that's for the first one. We can all relate because it happened to everyone more than once and it's probably going to happen again. It doesn't mean we don't care enough to remember their names. Truth is we meet a lot of people over the course of our lives. And to be sincere, we all have a, have at that point and you know at some point in our lives being in that kind of situation we've you know one way or the other forgotten someone's name it's even worse when it happens immediately after meeting the person you know you just feel face palm like oh my god i just literally forgot this person's name so let's discuss further on some helpful strategies 
So go ahead to ask them to put their numbers in your phone. That's actually one of the best ways to get their names without having to ask for it. It's expected that they, they enter both their first and, and last names along with their number. That's an interesting way to stay in touch with them again against the future and a kind of an assurance that you will not forget their name again or again. So request for their email address. It's not new that most people have their name within their you know, email address. So it's an easy way to learn the needed information and also gain a valuable connection. It will express your caring nature while reaching out to them in the future. If you can't find their name, they might have at least have a reference to their college, workplace, or favorite hobby within their username. So it can also pass as great conversation starter. <clears throat> so introducing them to other colleagues, friends, and associates will also help you recall their names or how you met at a party or networking events, making introductions is quite necessary. So you can get one of your colleagues or friends, introduce them first, and then wait for your conversation partner to do the you know, speaking. And oftentimes you can go through an entire conversation simply using pronouns. There's always someone else at the party who must have either invited this person or who is in the same network, ask them afterwards. You could say something along the line of, I heard it's almost impossible to you know, pronounce your own name with a different accent because you've used it so much. So can you do it? That's another easy way to get to remember the name. And once they do, try to pronounce the name over and over again so you don't forget too quickly. And if someone forgets yours, to avoid further embarrassment, smile and help him or her remember by you know, pronouncing your own name. So further on the vital points to note when address, Andre, addressing people, you pronounce the full name. Ensure to use the title Mr., Miss, Honorable, Reverend, where it's necessary. If it's a social setting, you can even address the person by his nickname or something of interest. But in an official environment, the full name and the person's role in the company is quite necessary. So ensure everyone has, has been introduced in every gathering. If it's your first time with um, the person, address him or her with a surname or full name, even if the person is younger or even a, a colleague at work, Mr. Obina or Mr. Victor Obina. Now, some people will tell you, please call me Khalid. It's best to tell you themselves that you can address them by their first name than you choosing to call them that. People like to be treated with respect regardless. And yeah, age is a vital point to note in any social gathering. There are some people you can't overlook their presence in a social event. You have to go as far as prostrating to greet them. So there's absolutely no need for honorifics before saying your own name when introducing yourself. So someone, hi, I'm Habib, Habib Olaiwola. That too with a smile on your face. Keep the smile going. So it won't cost you a thing to introduce yourself to someone who met or someone you met a few weeks back. There's been, you know, some gaps since you both met and said your hellos, but then still go ahead with the reintroduction. Say your name slowly and boldly for the other person to, to memorize. So the protocol of handshake or the handshake protocol, you're more likely to be remembered by a person whose hand you've shaken in traditional Australian or traditional Australian culture. There are four main opportunities for handshaking. 
and that's that those are when introduced to someone and when saying goodbye when you run into someone you haven't been you haven't seen in a long time when you enter a meeting and are introduced to participants and lastly when you reach agreement or commit to a deal so these are the most commonly used features of handshaking you stand up step or lean forward make eye contact smile shake hands firm but not hard greet the other person and repeat their name and that's it so the proper handshake um, um procedure first of all you stand near you stand near the person you want to sh shake hands with leave about three uh, three to uh, feet three feet between the two of you you should both be able to extend your arms to shake hands use good posture when shaking someone's hand if you are sitting right before shaking someone's hands extend your right hand then the second one you reach halfway towards the person with your thumb extended forwards and your fingers pressed together maintain eye contact smile with your um, while you extend your hand if the person's right hand is injured offer your left hand like i said earlier then three Grasp their hand, grab the middle of their hands so that the web of your thumbs are touching. Use a firm grip, but do not squeeze too hard. Try to mirror the pressure. The other person applies your fingers. Um, your fing uh, the other person applies, let me see. So don't grab the end of the person's fingers at all. So you bend your elbow to lift up and down. Do this two or three times. The movement should, you know, be small and precise. Plus, avoid swinging in a large, you know, a large back and forth movement. Be civil here. Don't pump the hand more than, you know, three times. Then release their hand and lean back after you finish shaking hands. Release the other person's hand and return to your original position. At this point, you can politely break eye contact. However, continue smiling as you talk to appear friendly. So, talking about handshake, I recently read online that greetings are deceptively simple, but verbal, um, verbal and non-verbal greetings help us define the boundaries of our interactions with others. The greeting is a little bit, um, you know, like a sponge. It absorbs all these different things, the relationships that we have, the kind of persons that we are, said Alessandro Duranti, professor of anthropology at the University of California, Los Angeles. So, you know, greetings acknowledge something that most that's, uh, you know, that is going on in a much broader context than just that, that little interaction. And in this case, COVID-19. Professional greetings have always involved person-to-person -person contact, be it hugging or giving a handshake, a connection is established through physical touch. However, during these unusual times, we are unable to extend a hand for our friendly greetings. Here's why we have to come up with an alternative but creative way of greeting others professionally, even if it's from a distance. The following are a few tips way, uh, or ways to greet someone professionally without being close to one another so maintain eye contact along with your elbows eye contact indicates how 
you feel and who you're speaking to. This is especially important since the rest of your face is covered by a mask. And then we have nodding. Do it politely as it can serve as a way of acknowledging something or someone or a form of agreement. Wave nicely. It can be used to acknowledge someone or let others know you're welcome to talk and a bow. A bow can be accompanied by performing namaste. So namaste is what um, our Indian friends do from their own end of, uh, from their own country. So when they meet with somebody, they just um, um, place their hands at their chest or at chest level. The namaste greeting is also known as hand on heart. So with palms together and fingers pointing up, this gesture of polite salutation is usually performed with a slight bow. So professional greetings in a COVID environment in situations where you're close to the person you're speaking to, here are a few ways to greet them professionally with limited contact. Give, give a fist bump. A study shows that a fist bump is the most hygienic contact hand greeting of all, all transferring only about 10% of the germs you'd get from a standard handshake. So, you know, give an elbow bump if the um, fist bump does not work out for you. I got to read that Jerome Adams, the former Surgeon General of the United States, recommended the elbow bump as a handshake alternative. So if you are still in the doubt on how to approach someone professionally, follow their lead and make it work with that or with what you're comfortable with in that situation. Learn how to read the room and act accordingly. We are all adapting to new situations right now. It's okay if you're a little awkward at first. So we have manners in the online world, email etiquette. So some, someone with good characters can call the attention and admiration of everybody because good manners, manners are very important to form a good character. As the online world grows to become a larger part of our daily lives, it's essential to ensure to learn the difference between good and bad behavior online and how it affects us. You know, the recent generation operates in a world of nonstop connectivity, social media, media, podcast, and online streaming, where whatsoever message can um, can travel further and faster than how it was it was before. And then you have the avenue to quickly trend online. So on the other hand, a very large amount of staff are increasingly getting asked to integrate mobile devices and internet-based apps into their daily routines. But what are the expected rules of modern, um, modern etiquette that should be observed when making use of high-tech tech tools to conduct business or social media networks to communicate? So email etiquette, just spare yourself some time to check your inbox. I'm certain you've got hundreds of, of unread messages lying about in your inbox, right? Most of our inboxes are filled with un unread emails, some random advertisements and some details on sales. We keep receiving unwanted promotions and, and marketing e emails all the time. So just imagine sending an important email. What do you need to do to make your recipient take note of your, of your own message in a scattered inbox? 
So definitely it has to be a captivating subject line that you can use to convey your message and in a compact manner. First, let's look at, the, at what email itself entails. LinkedIn defined email as an information and communication, communications technology. It uses technology to communicate a digital message over the internet. Users use email differently based on how they think about it. There are many software platforms available to send and receive. The popular email platforms include Gmail, Hotmail, Yahoo Mail, Outlook, and many others. So email etiquette can also be referred to as the principles of behavior that should be used when writing or responding to an email message. It can also be seen as the code of conduct for email communication. This code of conduct includes guidelines regarding appropriate language, spelling, grammar, and manners. The proper etiquette depends on whom you are or whom you're emailing in the workplace. It's always safer to err on the formal side of these conventions. The principles are intended to demonstrate professionalism and mutual respect between those exchanging emails. The principles can be modified to suit the audience and purpose. Email etiquette depends on the person who is being, who is being written or addressed, uh, or addressed. It could be friends, associates, relatives, partners, customers, superior, or subordinates. When composing an email, try as much as you can to consider the audience as well as the intended purpose. So fit your writing and your manners to suit the intended audience and purpose. Emails, emails forwarded to close friends and family members can be more informal than emails sent to work colleagues to a business or on behalf of a business. So the email subject line, still on um, what's it called, email etiquette. The email subject line gives the recipient an idea on what they should expect to find in the email's body. It could help them try their emails or start looking for information for a response before reading the full message. Make email subject lines clear and concise. So the next one is um, it's still on um, the subject line the subject line so the subject line can have a significant impact on whether your email gets opened or not when looking through your inbox so to follow the rules guiding email etiquette go for a clear and short subject or subject line that explains what your email is all about you know in just a few words or a concise sentence use identifiers or a concise sentence use uh, identifiers like proposal and applications that immediately gives the recipient a clue on what to expect from your email. Subject, subject lines that provide utility are more likely to get read, so ensure to keep it practical. Whatever you do, don't you send an email with no subject line. It's a clear violation of proper email etiquette. Looking at a mail with the no subject, most likely guarantees the that the recipient will move your message directly into the trash can as it looks suspicious. Okay, so um, continuation on email etiquette. Email etiquette is also broad 
God. And here's another part of it. Like I earlier said, it's okay to use words like yo, hey, if you're addressing or if you're addressing a friend or relative but not in the in the prof professional world do not use laid-back expressions like hey hey you guys yo or hi folks our relaxed nature of writing shouldn't affect the salutation in an email hey is an informal salutation and shouldn't be used in a workplace and yo is not okay either use hi or hello instead shortening anyone's name isn't also acceptable instead say hi christian unless you're certain he prefers to be called chris So structure the email properly. A detailed and professional email should consist of subject line, greeting, body, sign off, and signature. Drifting away from this structure can be termed as email etiquette violation. These parts should always be separated with paragraph breaks to make messages easy to digest. Ensure your target is fixed on delivering more message so that the email body is no longer than three paragraphs. When people go through emails, they're looking for something interesting to dive into. Instead of reading through the old content, write each paragraph by pointing out the most important thing. For readability, do not forget to leave some space in between. Also, to avoid information overload, try to put your points in bullet form or numbered lists so as to give more structure to your writing. Ensure to break up wordy sections. Lastly, on use of proper structure, if you use bold to highlight to highlight what's most important, do you use do not use it for more than one word or phrase in an email, and beware of reply all. Except everyone or every member on the email thread needs to be informed, don't hit the reply all button. Just in case you need to forward copies of an email to, to multiple people without you know, letting anybody see the entire list of recipients, use a blind carbon copy. And um, an average office employee receives around 121 emails a day. I bet you don't want to flood anyone's inbox with anything unnecessary that, you know, that can that can make them feel uncomfortable or make them feel bogged. That being said, when next you're trying to press reply all, take a few seconds to consider if it's a necessary, if it is a necessity for everyone in the email chain to receive your answer. If the answer is no, use reply and save others from the stress of getting some kind of distraction or distracting notification. So um, read through your email to be sure there's nothing to be corrected or included. There should be absolutely no reason for certain mistakes. Getting the email recipient's name wrong is one of the worst email etiquette mistakes. Do not you know, be in a rush to send a mail and then you end up sending something trashy to an executive who has a lot of things to do or lots of things to tend to. He may not even open the, the mail if he doesn't bear the necessary items. This email etiquette tip can be stressed enough as misspellings and grammatical errors will inevitably reflect poorly on your person. So once you're done composing your email or your mail, do not hesitate to go through the email body as well as the subject line at least twice to pick any mistakes and correct them. You can also try reading your email out loud to dis discover the mistakes. You, you know, the, you, the, there are some mistakes that you probably won't see when typing or, you know. So 
when you are able to, once you read your email, you read it out loud, you probably hear what you also have said, and then you can easily go back to, you know, fix it. So nothing makes a first impression like misspelling a person's name or addressing them by the wrong name altogether. It will not make more than a minute to, you know, it will not take more than a minute to go through the mail and be sure everything is checked and ready for dissemination. So there's no excuse for getting it wrong. And another thing to consider in avoiding these careless errors, do not shorten the recipient's name. Don't do, don't do that unless you're convinced that he really prefers to go by Mike instead of Michael. So meanwhile, on sending an emotional email, naturally most of us become upset when we have, when we have been treated unfairly, we have been trolling on or ignored, then um, what do you think you need to do when you get irritated? I'm sure some people will want to vent and some other persons hold it in. But what happens when this happens at work? How do you lash out or manage it? How should we react? Like, how should we react to um, issues like that? Or maybe how should we react to a mail sent to you by some executive that you know that got on your nerve? Have you ever written an angry email? Have you ever regretted hitting the send button? Sometimes immediately after you did it, emails are notoriously difficult to gauge, especially as they provide no real platform for context, nuance, or tone. So there's need to avoid sending a mail that, a mail that can be seen as angry or short-tempered. Emails can come across as very direct and blunt. An angry email can easily sound over the top or and out of control. And so in this kind of situation, what needs to be done is that you should try to hold back on clicking on the send button for a couple of minutes or hours. Maybe you should even try to deflect the anger by slipping over it and reverse it after you might have cool off of the entire issue. Whether you're a venter or a holder, write that angry email if you must, just don't hit send. Rather than send the email or the mail, reach out to a colleague or friend who can advise you on what to do. In fact, it could be a senior colleague. If that is not enough, use the internet to see the do's and don'ts of email etiquette for guidance. So manners in the... We'll be tackling the most important proper phone etiquette practices, such as essential rules, what to do and what not to do. We'll also drop uh, some tips on the way forward. So stay tuned. You wouldn't like. Looking into a certain set of don'ts will help every. And service rendered is accurate with what they expect. When we talk, you do not do the same thing every time. Some rules in and implement them each of the calls made or taken. This way, each call will be provided. When people include. Um, e